right here on KCOU 88.1 FM. Mickey Doolittle sitting in studio with Aiden O'Connor. And joining us over the phones once again is Grant Salzman. Guys, it is a beautiful summer day. How we doing? I'm the doctor. Well, I'm not cooperating. Sorry. I'm getting into this song real quick. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm doing great. Um, it's, it's a little hot oh, here. Grant, you alive? I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm great. You know, it's a little hot here, too, but can't complain. It's a good day to be on the Packed House right now. We got a lot going on in the sports world. Very true. It's never a bad day to be on the Packed House. Oh, never, never. Never a dull day right here in the Packed House. No, never. We got some NHL. It's a great day to be a Tiger. That's all I have to say. Okay, I like that. Why? Why is it a great day to be a Tiger? Because it's always a great day to be a Tiger. That's true. Of course. (laughs) M-I-Z, baby. But there's also some really good professional sports going on. It's a great day to be a professional sports fan. Like Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah. The NBA Finals just wrapped up with the best team in the league winning it. And I'm very happy about it. Yeah, so let, let's start there. Just because that already happened and then we'll go in NHL. So, yeah, we don't have to spend too much time. Yeah, I mean, there's not much. But obviously the Warriors kind of, yeah, it was a, I think they were in control the entire series. It went, what, six, five? Six. Six, yeah. I, I think I said Warriors and six. Yeah, I think Grant right. and I both said Warriors and six. What did I say? I did. I think you said seven. So did we I all say got Warriors? it right. Okay, all right. Yeah. I figured if you guys both took the Warriors, I would have taken the Celtics out of spite, but No, it was it was well, a go ahead, Grant. No, no, I just I want to take you boys back to uh when did the NBA finals <laughs> or playoffs start about So we took a week off. Ahead. We we gotta address that. We took a week off, so that's why we're a little late here. No, yeah. Grant's talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. all the way back. Way I'm back, okay. I'm ready. Early April when the NBA playoffs began. And I and we were talking about who we think coming out of the West, coming out of the East, winning it. And I said, you know what? You can't you can't forget about the Splash Brothers. You can't forget about the Warriors. And I predicted them to win the NBA Finals. Mickey, the Golden State Warrior fan, was skeptical about it. And you know what happened? Golden State Warriors won the NBA Finals. That's all I'd say. And I, I said my at best, the time, my best prediction so far. I don't remember who I took to win it. I don't. And I said at the time, I would be very, very happy to be wrong. And I am the happiest man in the world right now to be wrong at something I said. This team, this team is freaking awesome. They are run to the dot the best way you possibly can. They've brought in a bunch of young talent that's going to be the changing of the guard. Kind of like the, you know, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili Spurs to Kawhi Kawhi Leonard, (laughs) you know. You know, once those guys started to decline, Kawhi Leonard took over and took them to a couple more championships. Now, it didn't – I don't think that team had the same amount of young talent as the Warriors have right now. I think the Warriors' young talent is better than that one team – Aiden's still watching the White Sox game there was over just, there. There was just, I don't even want to call it a great catch because Adam Hazley, and I'll get to this guy later, but it was the weirdest route I've ever seen to like half rob a home run. One of the weirdest catches I've ever seen, but keep going. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, such an amazing series from Steph Curry. He finally gets his finals MVP. He, man, his value on an NBA court even when he's not shooting, on even in that 0 for, 0 for 9 or whatever it was game from beyond the three-point arc, he was drawing a defender to to ball deny him 100% of the time in that game. And that's why he went, that's one of the reasons why he went 0 for 9. He was just off that night. But when you open up the entire floor to play simply just like four-on-four basketball with the rest of your team, it spaces makes spacing so much easier. It doesn't clog the lane. It doesn't do anything. And you just let 
Andrew Wiggins, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, all these really great offensive players just go to work in a four-on-four game. Because a lot of times it's Marcus Smart following Curry around, and that's one of their better defenders. So, yeah, Steph, Steph's value just, really showed this series. Yeah, I would just say that it was easily every game. Steph Curry was the best player on the court. Even when he had his, what was that, game four or five, when he didn't even make a three. I think it was game and, five, yeah. Yeah, and I would still say he's the most valuable man on the court, easily. Yeah. And, and I think it was... Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to go back to your point about the young core of the pool, the Kamingas, the Wiseman when he's healthy again, the um, even Gary Payton the second. you know, all guys that really were great role players that contributed. I, I think it will be interesting once, like, the guard does change and you see Curry, Thompson, and Draymond leave. What – like what the Warriors' future looks like. Because I don't think the – I think all these players that are very good now are really good role players. I don't think they're good. They are superstar players at some point, leading teams by themselves. So it's going to be interesting to see the Warriors' future in four or five years. Yeah, and I, I don't think we can really predict – you know, very well what these players are without these guys. So, you know, it, it oh, is... Yeah. I agree. It will be extremely interesting, and I agree with you. And, and one last thought on all of this and Steph. It's, it's crazy to me that after Game 5, when the Warriors won with Steph going 0 for 9, everyone was calling that, that they won in spite of Steph going 0 for 9. When in reality... Mm-hmm. Him drawing that extra defender all night gave Jordan Poole looks. It gave Andrew Wiggins looks. So when everyone's calling for Andrew Wiggins MVP, it it just made zero sense to me because of the value. It's the most valuable player. It's not the player with the most points or the players with the most rebounds or anything. It's the most valuable player. And Steph Curry, to me, throughout this entire playoffs, was the most valuable player in the entire league because of the attention he draws from the defense. And also he played yeah. he played himself okay defense. Like he's not an amazing defender or anything, but they constantly had him switched onto Tatum and he was guarding these elite scorers decently well and he only got into foul trouble in one game. I think it was game 2. Yeah, and I mean let's let's just take a quick look at the MVPs for the finals in the past when the Warriors won 15 was Iguodala, wasn't it, for his job on... LeBron. LeBron. Yep. And then 17... Who was 17? I want... That was probably Durant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The MVP? Yeah. It was yeah. Durant. So, yeah, it sorry, was Durant. 17 and 19 were Durant. Cause yeah. They 17 were and 18 were Durant. Of 18, sorry. Yeah. 17 and 18 were Durant because they were on... He was on the top of his game, one of the best basketball players ever at that point. Yeah. And then now Curry finally gets his flowers, which I'm happy to see. Yeah, I've always liked Steph. Steph's yeah, a good guy. I don't think you can hate Steph. I I don't know if it's just like his personality off the court, but even like I don't know if the Warriors have a rivalry, but like everyone they've beaten the finals, there's no real like everyone has a hater. Like you know, there's always players people aren't going to like. I don't know if there's too many Steph Curry haters out there. Right? Is that yeah, crazy to no, say? I, like I just I don't think. I don't think it, yeah. I don't think that's crazy to say. I I don't know a lot of Steph Curry haters. It's a lot like the hate for Nick Saban or something. Like, you know, I don't know for the dot if Nick Saban, I I couldn't tell you 100% if he hasn't caught caught up in a controversy or something, but it sounds a lot like people just hate Nick Saban because he wins a lot. And people hate hate Steph because he wins a lot. So, you know, everyone has that respect for him. It's a lot, it's a little bit like, Kobe, but that's a whole nother story, and he has some stuff. But well, I have, we won't get I have into respect that. for stuff, but we need to have respect for Grant. Would you call him back real quick? We lost him. Somehow. Oh no! Oh <laughs> no! I don't know what happened. He's not here anymore. Well, I mean, it, it is almost time for a break, so we are right, going we'll to do that. go to a quick break on KCOU eighty-eight point one FM's The Packed House. We'll be back in just about a minute and a half. To no pleasure in creative thinking because you don't think creatively anymore. The real joy of being a human being is to be able to use your mind in the manner that the almighty God has
has designed the human mind to do, to do, to do, to do. Tug of war in my mind's like a clash of the titans. Thoughts contrast, so it's layers to my right. Welcome back to the Packed House right here on KCOU 88.1 FM. We have recovered Grant from the depths of phone drop. I don't know. Hell, whatever. Grant is back. That's the bottom line here. And the Packed House is back on your airwaves after missing a week. Guys, we got a lot to talk about. Let's go to the U.S. Open. All right. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's open it up a little bit here. Uh, it was. Yeah. It, start to finish. Really good. Um, Matt Fitzpatrick was already, he was always hanging around and he proved it at the end. But you got to feel for Zalatoris at a certain point, right, Grant? He's finished second in what? Masters, Open, and there was one more. Was it 2020 or 2021 when Matsuyama won? That's when Zalatoris finished second. No, no, no. I'm I'm saying this year he's finished. Oh, yeah, he finished second. He finished second in the yeah, Masters, yeah, second in the yeah. Open, and second in another big tournament. I can't remember what. He finished second to Scheffler or in that playoff. Oh, that wasn't a major, but yes, I know what you're talking I can't think of. It was Speed. Speed yes. beat him yes. in a playoff. I don't remember the tournament, but it was. It was I'm another, sure. yeah. It was another. It wasn't a major because. I think it was. Finish, no, because he didn't finish. There was no playoff in the PGA Championship. Um. And all right, but either who, way. Who, who, wait, I can't think. Who won the PGA Championship? PGA Championship this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh come on! Now I'm forgetting. The last major. Wasn't um, it? It was. Wasn't it Justin Thomas? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was Justin, Justin Thomas. Thomas won it. Yeah, yeah. And who did he Thomas. beat? Who came right in second? Yeah, Zalatoris came in second. Yeah. Did he? Yeah, I'm telling you. He, yeah, so he's. Second place, man. This is this is new thing. His putting. Everyone blames his putting, and you yeah, can blame it. Right. I'm sorry, you're correct. Yeah. he got second in the playoff at the PGA Championship. He's gotten second at two Masters. He's mm-hmm. gotten second at three, all three majors so far. Yep. And it's we, his putting was the struggle in the first two. This one, he he putted well for. You can say yeah. for him, but that's the big knock. All the golf writers, all the everyone, their big knock on Zalatoris is his putting. He didn't putt too bad, but just the better player won in Matt Fitzpatrick. Putting, yeah, he was he was top five in almost every putting category mm-hmm. at the whole tournament. But when it comes down to it, it was Matt Fitzpatrick just hit the shots. You know, the bunker, bunker shot. The bunker shot on 18 won it, yeah. Was absolutely it was beautiful. Ridiculous. I mean, that was it was the incredible. second best bunker shot that weekend. Yes, and who was the best? Mine, Aiden. mine, mine was the okay. best. Okay, Aiden O'Connor <laughs> had <laughs> a gorgeous a bunker shot. shot, a gorgeous bunker shot en route to a 98. Yeah, <laughs> not a 96, though. No, no, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, but that that shot won him the tournament. Uh, Zalatoris oh, left yeah. the putt high, but it was a tough one. He, he you know, you don't want to be in a situation to have to make a have to make a bomb of a putt on eighteen, and he was strictly because of that bunker shot from Fitzpatrick. Yeah, well, let's talk about Fitzpatrick's. He was on fourteen, maybe. Scheffler's one behind. You know, everyone's yep. gaining on him. If he doesn't make this long, what a thirty foot birdie putt? It was a long one. Yeah, it. absolutely drains it, and that's really I think it's because he was having not his greatest round. I think he was two over maybe at that point, and. Really was struggling a little bit, you know, was holding pace for the lead, but that really, I think, just fired his round up, and that that fired him to a victory, I think. Yeah, now, and keep going. No, I was just going to say, you know, you keep going, because I have more on Zalatoris coming for the next major, next month I want to talk about a little bit, but let, you, you keep going. No, that's really all I had from the Open. I, I was working – Ironically, I was working at the golf course and it was on in front of me. But you know, were duty calls. I was I was working. I wasn't paying a hundred percent attention. I did yeah. watch seventeen and eighteen, but uh, no, I agree. yeah. I was, so I, let's hear what I you got on Zalatoris coming up next. Well, I want to talk about this, and it will kind of segue into the live tour, all, everything going on with that. Mm-hmm. So first, the it's the one hundred fiftieth Open in St Andrews, the home of golf. Scotland, where it was, where golf was founded, you know, it's 
it's this huge wide course, huge fairways, huge greens, and I think that this course will play into Zalatoris' style really well. I think, you know, he's a great ball striker. He doesn't miss a lot of fairways. His approach shots are very good, too. And I don't think if he can avoid some bunkers and get himself some short putts, I really think that he can do it the next month at the Open. I think that the course plays perfect for Will Zalatoris. Yeah, I agree. That's kind of what everyone was saying about this last weekend. Mm-hmm. Same same thing with the course. But uh, one thing, I, <laughs> the funniest thing I, I saw from this entire tournament this week or last weekend was everyone, obviously, the course, is it's an animal. There's a lot worse words you could oh, use to describe that course that we so can't say the here. Just the greens just fell off. The ball would just roll off. Yeah, forget the greens. I mean, the, greens the greens are going to be tough wherever you play. You can't get a club under that rough. Mm-mm. It's that impossible. Yeah. So, but, but the best thing I saw was on Sunday um, of the Open, everyone in the grounds crew had like a party at like five, like probably like four thirty in the morning. They were blasting Enter Sandman, <laughs> all getting like hyped up to go out there and oh, cut man. the grass and everything. It was awesome. Like that, that was just it, it, that was that was my favorite memory of this weekend. It was seeing a clip of. Uh, everyone that works the grounds crew are just getting absolutely fired up to go out there and cut some grass. <laughs> but I do want to talk about those greens. There were so many shots where you – I mean, it looked like a good shot. No and it rolls off the green. There. Yeah, welcome to my world. It rolls world. off the green. It was crazy. Um, but like we said, this was a great, a great, great tournament. And so was last weekend, the um, RBC Canadian Open Rory. in Toronto. Rory won it. It was Rory, Justin Thomas, Tony Finau, three big players, three big names and on the PGA Tour. And, you know, there was some competition by another golf league, the Live Tour in London. And I, because I didn't feel like I could talk about it or have an opinion on the Live Tour if I didn't try to watch it. Mm-hmm. I watched about six in the first round. Yeah. And let me tell you, it was one of the most boring things I've uh... ever watched. I would I it was it was the first round yes so there wasn't as many fans there but it was just I don't know I didn't I just didn't feel like there was anything on the line maybe if we go down a little farther a little later in the season it will be a little bit more competitive but I don't know I just it's, I don't love yeah. the format you're never gonna get that same competitiveness finishing mm-hmm. on 17 and 18 with a shotgun start like they're using in the live, which that's one of yep. the biggest knocks that, you know, all the, I don't want to say like the old heads or like the golf geezers, but like, you know, a, a tournament like that, you can say it shouldn't be a shotgun start, but it, it time wise and everything wise, it, it sort of makes sense. I don't think it makes a ton of sense, but I can see where they're coming from, but it's just, no, it's not the same. No, I agree. And I, and I'm all for, you know, then making more money and, all of that. Oh, like, well, the they're going to make some money. Don't worry. Out. Oh, yes. The PGA Tour is expanding their purses, you know, increasing it. See, that's, and, that got me a little ticked off yesterday because the PGA's whole thing is that they're not about money. They're about golf. And obviously the Saudi, is it a prince or a king? First of all, I don't know where they're getting all this money from to play, so, pay this these is golfers. But the but money is there. It is. And, it's the Saudi monarchy. It's yes. Just whoever... It's the whole part of the Saudi Arabian mm-hmm. royalty. Basically, but, they're filthy rich. They own yeah. a lot of soccer teams. They own, and now they're starting this. And they have a lot of oil money to spend on things like this. And so, it's not, they're not, the Saudis oh, are not. One more thing. Just the one. The one thing that kind of made me mad about the PGA is that the PGA president, I think it's Monahan or Moynihan, I forget his name, but he came out after all this, and their whole thing with this live tour the entire time. It's it's about golf, it's about the game, it's not about the money. And then yesterday or two days ago, he comes out and says, all right, we're going to have like a nine-hole best player, not nine holes, but like it was some sort of different style formatted tournament for like the biggest purse that the, that the PGA has ever opened. They're like, we're going to put this out there. And now they're saying yeah, they're basically saying, yeah, it is about the money, so we're going to combat it. So see now, with, well, see, I don't agree with that as much. What yeah. I was saying is, I wouldn't. I'm not opposed to them increasing the purses for their tournaments already. I see that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yep. To, to entice the players to stay, just upping it 
$500,000 here, a million here. You know what I'm trying to say? Not, I, yep. not add in more than we need, but to just increase the purses of certain tournaments. You know, make the Masters $20 million for the purse. Make the biggest tournaments, because not all the, the majors are not the most expensive ones. And I don't get that. I feel like if you're going to win a major, you should win the most money. You know, that it should be worth the most out of anything. So with something like this, it is so huge within the sports world that if you're a fan of any sport whatsoever, you should be paying attention to this because it, it is ultimately another government. You know, the American sports, you know, dominates the sports of baseball, football, basketball, hockey, um, and, and some other ones that are less major. But with this, it, it golf, and it was golf before, and, and now Americans are no longer the ones that are dominating it because they've shortchanged kind of their players. So what this is, what's happening here is, you know, the Saudis are coming in and they're they're ultimately getting these huge players. And, and what I think the most interesting thing about this is the thought experiment of. What is sports? What is profitable within sports? And the answer is not a ton. Because if you go past, for instance, baseball, if you go past the major leagues and you go to the minor leagues, most minor league teams are barely breaking even. So if you're really thinking about what, why, why do we support that and, what, and whatnot, sports are marketing. All F1 teams yeah. barely break even. Like Red Bull, one of the best F1 teams, makes probably $20 million a year, which is nothing compared to what they spend and what they you know bring in. So they're, they're basically breaking even there. Ultimately, sports are marketing. And normally we see that with brands, with Red Bull, with Mercedes, with you know McLaren. And you know, Formula Church One's a great example. Advertisements, you know, that it's, stuff. Exactly, putting the Nike swoosh on baseball jerseys and basketball jerseys. So if you back that up and you apply it to this, it's ultimately advertising showing, you know, uh, for the Saudi government. And it's really, really interesting kind of what's happening here. So I, I don't know. That That's – yeah. I, I don't – I don't completely agree with – I don't know. You mean that – the Saudis are advertising these, like, yes, like they're paying for it. They're funding the advertisement. Yes. Right. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Or, well, it, yeah, it's, so yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Instead of MLB has all these sponsors and that's what funds major league baseball. The lift tour is just injected from the Saudi Arabians money. There's no, they don't need as many advertisements. And that's well, why it's, and the fact is that, that I'm, their I'm, name is – and, and it's the fact that their name is associated with the best golfers in the world right now. That's ultimately the value that they mm -hmm. see in it, which yeah. is very similar to exactly. Nike being associated with the best baseball teams in the world. So mm -hmm. it's just yeah, very yeah, – it's, it's, it's yeah, interconnected. It's not a, exactly it's, the same, but yeah. It's a – I'm going to be honest. I don't know how the Saudi Arabian government works. I don't know if it if, – these monarchs really have much say as to what goes on. Kind of like in the UK, like the queen doesn't really do anything. It's, this isn't the gov I so I'm not sure. But yes, it is the monarchy of the Saudi of Saudi Arabia. It's just like there's plenty of soccer teams. Manchester City, for example. They are filthy rich because Saudi Arabians have taken over their club and injected a ton of money into it. And that's not what they're doing with the Liz Tour. But my point earlier was, is that it's interesting to me that I think that I've watched every PGA Tour event so far this season. And ever since the Liz Tour started, you know, it's been two weeks that it's been official. The last two events for the PGA Tour, I think, have been two of their best of the season. Most competitive, most exciting, best players at the top. So I just think it's interesting. It just is like perfect timing with the PGA Tour that it's must-watch golf. It's must-watch golf the last two weeks, kind of. Yeah. So really interesting stuff going in the golf world. And, and the Saudis are starting to expand themselves within the sports world. They, they, they're paying for an F1 race. You know, they're paying millions and millions and millions of dollars for the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. Um, they're also getting into tennis. They're also, they also own 
you know, soccer, football clubs. Countless soccer teams. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Any other thoughts on that, guys? Um, I got nothing. I just, I'm curious what you guys think. It, do you blame the Dustin Johnson? No. And the Phil Nicholson's who are just, the Bryce and the Shambos. You know, he hasn't really been great on the tour lately. He hasn't probably been making a lot of money from his golf. Now he has to play nine events a year, and he's going to make hundred millions of dollars. Do you blame them at all? Yes and no. The I would not blame them, plain and simple, because they're going for the money. They know what they're doing. Oh, it, yeah. It's a business. And gonna, but it, and I hate when people say I wouldn't do that. If someone told you right now, hundred fifty million dollars, you can get last in every single tournament. Mm-hmm. You're signing books is hundred fifty million dollars. No matter how good I am, and maybe if I'm Tiger Woods and I'm already a billionaire, I turn it down. And most of these did. Jack Nicholas who turned it down. Most but of how these. How do you turn that yeah. down if you're an average golfer? And most of these players are not. I I the vibe that I get off of when most of these players are interviewed is they're not married to live golf and you know, whatever they are in it to change the sport of golf and change the way golfers are paid because I, I think if it wasn't for that, I think if it was just for the money, the fact that there's human rights violations and stuff that, that would be, huge for these golfers and and, yeah. and I think it is huge for these golfers because that's a dangerous freaking government and yeah the Saudis are not a good government you and do it, not play not, with them the thing is, it's not as simple as this is different you know this is if I don't know when the Saudi Arabians took over the um they took over Manchester City or any soccer team you know just for an example they're just injecting the money into the club they're not actually doing anything apart. The players probably have never even spoken to the owners. Like they, they don't do anything with the team. They just own it. They don't even run it. They just inject the money. Here, it's ran by them. You know, it's it's they're owned involved. By them. The league, yeah, they are. They're in involvement here, so it's a lot different. And there's numerous human rights allegations against them mm-hmm. at the moment. The only reason I do blame I think- them. The only reason I blame them is because some of these guys are coming out, and when they're asked why they joined the live, they're come, you know, they're pulling stuff out of their behind. They're they're making up excuses. Yeah. Just just don't oh, they, they, don't BS us. We know why you're going money. over there. You know it's for the money. Phil sure. released a whole statement like a uh, game of golf stuff like that. No, it's for the money, and we I all know it, and it's fine. I'm I don't to be honest with you. I don't see I don't see how they're changing the game of golf. I I get that. It could change I how they it. get paid, that you could be more on a contract basis and stuff like that, kind of what they're doing. But the money that they have would be unrealistic for a PGA tour. You know, there's no way that they could fund that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I agree. It shouldn't be that it shouldn't be that Phil Nicholson has been the or Tiger Woods now. Well, Tiger Woods we know has plenty of money, but he's not winning much anymore. But to play on the PGA tour, he should be under a contract. You know, and and I think it's, I think it's just the way that you you the PGA Tour has qualifiers and stuff. I think it's tough to pick and choose who your star players are and who is the people that you don't want on contract. You know, so I think that part of it, I don't know if it's feasible for the PGA Tour to do it as the uh, as the live tour is. So yeah, I I think. But but something – would you agree I, – I don't know the economics of golf that well, but would you agree that the PGA Tour needs to change? Yes, and I think that, yeah. as I said, I think the first part of it changing is increasing its purses. I do. I yeah. think that the money is too little for – and not even for the winners. This is kind of how what the major league and minor league. You know, you're Phil Mickelson, you're Tiger Woods, you're – if they win a thing, they're making a couple million dollars. They win a tournament. And that's playing on top of their sponsorships. Mm-hmm. But for your guy that's getting top 30, top 40, barely making the cuts, he's not making a lot of money at all. He has sponsorships, but he's not making a lot of money. And I think that's where they need to turn more is help the corn, the guys on the Corn Ferry Tour, which is like the minor leagues of the, P, of the PGA Tour. Help those guys. Help the guys barely making the tournaments and barely making the cuts with the purse, purse is, being increased. Isn't it amazing how – 
when we go into these collective bargaining negotiations and whatnot, you know, with any sport, with, you know, I'm going to use baseball as an example here. The arguments people use is that, oh, Mike Trout makes $500 million. Why should the players get more money? And everybody forgets about the little guy, the minor leaguers, or the guys playing on the league minimum that can barely, you know, like they're making a pretty, you know, at least the guys on the major league minimum are making a a pretty good living, but especially in the minor leagues. And that's where, I don't know, again, that's where my problem with a lot of these players associations is because the MLBPA has no reason to represent minor leaguers, and they should. That's the morally correct thing to do, but they kind of don't. No, there's no reason to. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of the same with the golf stuff is we forget about all these fringe players that just yeah. aren't making that much money. So if I'm not mistaken on the PGA Tour, the only way you get paid for a tournament is if you make the cut. Yep. I'm pretty. That's how it works, correct? Uh, it, it, yeah, it's the same thing. Kind of depends. Yeah. Depends on mm-hmm. sponsorships and commission. But it and... depends. Yes, yeah, so the only way that the PGA Tour actually pays you for golfing in that tournament is if you make the cut. You're going to get paid by your sponsor and all that, but if you make the cut, that's how you get paid and stuff like that. So I do like that. What the live tour is doing is that I I wouldn't hate for that to be added. You know, there's certain things that yes, Mickey, they are growing. They are, they are changing the way people look at how golfers get paid. If you make the start at the live tour, you're getting paid. No matter what, you could get last place. If you're there, you will get paid. You know, it's like, it's like just because the MLB player goes over his last 30 or if he doesn't get a hit in the game, he still gets paid, you know? Yeah. And I think it's ridiculous that you, if you have an off day, you're not getting paid to show up for the PGA Tour event because they need, because you're needed for them to have this event, you know, they, they want a larger group, more people to watch longer times for people to be there. You know, people come to spend the money and that stuff, you know, and if they only had 30 people, it wouldn't be as entertaining, you know, just like what the live tour is. The cut is part of what makes golf fun. You know, you can have these guys that come from nowhere and win a tournament, which is part of the reason I like the live tours because I just don't see it as competitive, but everyone should get paid in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts on the world of golf? I think it's going to be interesting. I think, yeah, I think that eventually the PGA tour is going to have to change and cave in. You know, I think this is going to be a big change for sure. And we'll definitely be talking about this more because it's definitely going to not go away anytime soon. No, it is not. All right, so with that, we are going to take a quick break right here on the Packed House. When we come back, we got some MLB stuff to talk about. We got some NHL stuff to talk about. We got a we got a lot of to go here today, so stick with us right here on KCOU 88.1 FM. With you here from Columbia, Missouri, Mickey Doolittle, Aiden O'Connor, and Grant Salzman. We are the Packed House. Guys, the Stanley Cup Finals are going on, and it is a lot of fun this year. For me, I am not a big hockey guy. I know you guys follow a lot more of it. I'll let you guys take over here. But for me, this year's finals are very, very fun. It's definitely the two best teams, and everyone knew that coming in. And we're happy to get it. We're getting the best on the best so far. Uh, Colorado leads the series two to nothing. Two rather non-competitive games on home ice, and then a non-competitive game uh, in Tampa for Tampa to grab their first win of the series. They're back in Tampa tonight at seven, I believe, for a game that a lot of people looking at it like the Lightning in this one. I think the Avalanche are going to be back um, before I give Grant the the ropes here. I, I just think the one the one negative for this Avalanche team, and they're just so fast. Top to bottom, they're so fast. They do everything right, but their goaltending hasn't been there. It's the same thing we talked about for the Oilers. Obviously, nowhere close to the Oilers. Uh, Darcy Kemper is going to start again tonight. He was pulled after giving up five shots on 22 goals in Tampa a couple nights ago, but he, he's not, you know, you're Mike Smith where it's not going to get much better. Kemper's better. He was dealing with injury. He missed a series in the playoffs already. 
and it's just that's really the only thing that's hurt them. But when it rains, it pours. Like what? What was the last game? Six to nothing, maybe. Tampa. Six to two. Six to two. Okay. Yeah. Still not great. But I think tonight I'm back on the Avalanche tonight. I think they got it done. Uh, injury wise, they've got a bunch of players that are banged up, but they're it's the cup. You know, you're not not gonna play. Um, I think not McKinnon, but Landis Cog was banged up. Uh, looks like Nazem Kadri skated this morning. He might be back tonight. Yeah. It's kind of a toss up. Hopefully for the Avs' sake, he is back. But we'll see. I don't think he plays. I'm gonna be honest. I don't think but why not? Play. It's a thumb injury. You got those big gloves in hockey. Tape it up That's and go true. out there and play. And it's not like Kadri's a finesse guy anyway. You need a guy like him in the lineup. They're missing him big time on the physicality standpoint. I think he plays. But we'll see. If not tonight, obviously the next game. I hope. Yeah, I just I think, Aiden, honestly, this series is kind of panning out exactly how we talked about two weeks ago, how we thought it would. You know, I mean, we said that the Lightning need to – start fast, but they probably won't, and they haven't. They're down 2-0. They're going home. They win the first game at home, and I wouldn't be shocked if they win tonight, too, and make it 2-2. That's 2 out of 3. Um, I was shocked of the 7-0 beatdown the Avalanche put on the Lightning. Yeah. That was insane. And then yesterday, it's a beatdown, you know, and I just think these teams are destined for just one amazing game. Kind of like that Avalanche-Oilers game, probably not the high scoring, but I think these two teams with how good they both are, we're going to get an all-time classic out of this series. I really think so. And I really like the Lightning's response to being down 2-0 and just getting their like, I don't even know what adjective I can say for how bad they got beat down in game two. I mean, it was, they had no chance. That entire no. game, as soon as the puck was dropped to start the first period, that game was never in doubt. Not once did anybody think the Avalanche were going to lose that game. No. So, I was, I was, the Lightning responded very well, though. I mean, 6-2, to two, very well. And you kind of, you kind of talked about the goaltending situation for the Avalanche. And I believe the Lightning have a better situation when oh, it comes to without that. without a doubt. But, it's the cup, you know, and and a team that maybe isn't better than the other, I don't know which one that is in this situation, but maybe just not playing better that day. They get dominated, you know, get out shot by 20, might win if a goalie's hot. You know, I like to take it back to my Blues in 2019. I don't think the Blues were better than the Boston Bruins in that series. They got but hot. Jordan Bennington was playing the best hockey of his life and was the best goalie in the NHL at that time. And played out of his mind and won the Blues the Stanley Cup. You know what I mean? And I think there's going to be one game where a team gets outplayed this series, and they might steal a game with good goaltending. And I think the Lightning have the capability to do that for sure. Good defense and good goaltending can steal you a lot of games that you might get dominated in. Yeah, I uh, I, I think – all in all, the Avs are still going to come out come out on top. I think they win tonight and then go back and win it yeah. in five. That's my prediction. But it, tonight is going to be a test. I don't think there's a very good sh- – if the Lightning want to stay in it, and this sounds like the most basic thing ever, everyone looking at the series can tell you this, but if the Lightning stay in it, they have to at least play a competitive game tonight. They don't have to win. I'm going to be honest. I, I think, think they do. A lot of people say it's a must win. But I think a competitive game would give them enough momentum to maybe steal a couple more. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. They might get hot tonight and then go back to Colorado and steal a couple more. But the the injuries are piling up for the Avs, and it, it looks like, like I said before, Kadri's back. But we'll see. Uh, tonight, 7 o'clock, I think. And Francois is no better, the backup for the Avalanche. They said it's a, let's see right here. Bednar said there's a possibility Kemper would start, so I believe he will be in. We lost Grant again, but I think other than that, we kind of covered everything hockey-wise. I do I want to get Grant's opinion on one more thing before we end the hockey talk. We'll wait till he gets back. So for the Smythe, Smythe best player throughout the playoffs, and normally it gets a little bolstered in the cup if someone goes off in the finals. 
they sort of get the edge there. I believe Kel McCarr was the betting favorite coming in, and that's rightfully so. I think McCarr should get the Conn Smythe at the end of this whole thing, and we'll see how that goes. McCarr, uh, his second year in the league, I believe. He's a defenseman that has speed. Like He, he could play forward for half these other teams. I we think. got Grant back. Grant? Hello, hello. Sorry, I'm hello, back. Hello, Grant. We were. I was. I was talking yeah. Con Smythe, and I don't know if you heard me say who I think should win it, but I hope you didn't, so I can hear who you think should win it. Um, I heard and I agree. Ah, all right. I think <laughs> is, yes, I think he should win it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Who's, he, if the Lightning wins, who do you think wins it? Wins the MVP? I just don't see the Lightning Sorry, winning. Con Smythe. I don't see the Lightning winning in general, but if it does swing that way, you could almost think because if the series were to swing that way, it would because be because of the goaltending of Vasilevsky, but the performance yeah. he put up in Game 2, I don't know if you can give it to him, but throughout the playoffs, he's been solid, so I think it would be Vasilevsky if they turn it around and find a way to get back into this thing. Yeah, but I, I, I just I, I don't see that. it going to anyone but Cal McCarr. See I yeah, I think he's been the best player easily in the playoffs. I I have Lightning in seven. I really think the Lightning can do this, and I think they will do it. Maybe it's because I hate the Avalanche, but yeah, I think the Lightning can pull it off, and I think they have a chance to. I don't know if I'll call it an upset when you're the defending champs, but to win this series. No, I I think for sure that would be an upset. Yeah. So yeah. Too well. Yeah, that's uh, it, that's know, all I got. Well, I just want to say a streak uh, was finally broken in the NHL with the Lightning's victory. And do you know what that? Do you know what that streak was? Uh, it was one player that played with Yager, correct? No, no. I just I just meant with the Lightning's victory, a streak was broken. With the Lightning's victory, what victory? The oh, one they the just game won. Three victory. Yeah, yeah. No, what was it? They were the only the second team in the Stanley Cup playoffs to beat the Avalanche, and the only other team to beat them were the St. Louis Blues. Oh. <laughs> well, that's not what I thought. Go Blues, baby. We knew, we knew the Blues <laughs> reference was coming. <laughs> All right, how about some baseball? I thought I'd throw that in there. Let's, let's, yeah. go, let's transition to the MLB. We had some good games yesterday. Some oh. very good games yesterday. Otani with a bomb that meant nothing in the ninth. I mean, it meant um, something. They yeah. didn't win. Did you guys hear the uh, Japanese broadcasters go absolutely nuts for it? I like the Spanish. It was broadcasts. awesome. I, I don't. I'm not too familiar with the Japanese broadcasts. Yeah. The Spanish yeah. guys go nuts. Yeah, you should hear uh, Benji Molina whenever Yadi hits a home run because Benji's the color commentator for the Cardinals. No way. Are you serious? Broadcast. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. He goes absolutely ballistic every time Yadi hits a home run. I love Benji. Benji's yeah, my guy. Awesome. That was my guy with the Giants yeah. for years. Yeah, Benji's the uh, color commentator. He might be the play-by-play. He, I know he does commentary for the. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure, on but for the Spanish broadcast of the Cardinals game. All-time nice guy, Benji Molina. Yeah, great guy. Molina brothers, gotta love him. So, um, how yes, are your Cardinals yeah, doing? Speaking of Molina, well, he's hurt now, right? But well, how are the Cards well, doing? Molina's been on the bench. Um, not bad. I mean, I think last time we talked, the Cardinals were three and a half out of the Central. Now they're tied for first. You know, had a big victory versus the Brewers yesterday. That's been a really good series so far, split 1-1. Nolan Gorman has been breaking out, I believe, finally. He hit two home runs, had four hits yesterday. First Cardinal rookie ever and youngest Cardinal player ever to do that in the over do what? Years four hits or two home runs or four hits and two home runs okay. in the same game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, they've been they've been doing what the Cardinals should do. You know, they've been taking care of you know the Reds and the Pirates and the bad teams that they play, and they play decent against uh, some of the better teams. You know, they lost two or three to the Red Sox. They lost two or three to the Rays, but all of those games they lost were. In tragic style, you know they had they had the tying run on the bases in both Red Sox games. They well, lost. one of those Rays then, games was crazy. Yeah, they lost it in yeah the tenth inning. And Drew Verhagen is becoming easily one of my least favorite Cardinals for some reason. <laughs> Ali Marmol 
believe that he's our fourth best reliever and puts him in and one or two run games. And that's the thing right now, the Cardinals. They don't really have a fourth reliever. They have Giovanni Gallegos, uh, Ryan Housley, and Tennessee Cabrera, who are all very good. But when one of those guys has already thrown three days in a row or was extended a lot the day before, they don't have a fourth guy with Jordan Hicks being hurt. And, um, and TJ McFarland isn't who we thought he was going to be. I'm pretty sure he just got placed on the IL. Which he did. They called up Junior Fernandez yeah. two hours ago. Okay. I like. I don't mind Junior. He throws strikes. But, yeah, TJ McFarland, I, I, I don't think he's actually hurt. It's one of those situations. He might have a little injury bug. But if he was pitching great, he wouldn't be going on the IL. So Jack Flaherty's um, back. Yeah. Jack Flaherty's back. He hasn't been great in his first two starts. He was fine yesterday. Serviceable. He was fine yesterday. Five walks, though. Yeah. Yeah. Five walks and a lot of hard-hit balls. First inning was almost catastrophic. They already had two runs and two more men on base after with no outs. He settled in nicely, though. And I just think that this team has a lot of potential. They, I think that they need a trade for a starter and one more bullpen arm for sure. And I think once maybe the offense gets a little more consistent because they rank top five in a lot of different categories right now. But the problem with the Cardinals is they'll score 15 runs one day and then for the rest of the series they'll score three. And I'm not they too – just Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I'll say what you were going to say, Nikki. I'm, I want to hear what you want to say. I'm not too concerned about Jack Flaherty. A lot of times no. you see when no, these I'm pitchers come back from extended stints on the IL, they, they aren't – themselves and and it takes them a week or two even even up to a month or a month and a half to get back to what they were no i'm glad he's doing this now i wouldn't want playoffs come or (laughs) september comes and he's doing this then but i really think that if you can get to the playoffs with the jack flaherty who's jack flaherty i think i mean i know it it's not it the names don't sound great but you have adam wainwright jack flaherty and miles michaelis and Adam Wainwright, I'll take just at about anybody in the playoffs because he pitches absolutely – He's just goes to a different level. And Miles Michaelis is with great, and we know what Jack Flaherty can do. And with that offense, I, I'd be excited to see if everything's actually hitting on the cylinders it should be, what the Cardinals can do later in the season. Miles Michaelis has been awesome for you guys. Yeah, I mean, he's – I don't want to say he's a Cy Young candidate, but – if he keeps pitching like this, I I don't see how he's not at least top five, top three in Cy Young when it's all said and done. Well, I don't know top top five, yeah, top three, but he's definitely top twenty starter right now. Some, yes, if he keeps putting together some of the starts he has in his last two and is consistent with that, I think he has a chance to be up there in the Cy Young voting for sure. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the heartbreaking one hit yeah. that was. That was hard to watch. That was. I think he should have caught that ball. Was that O'Neill? Who was in center? Bader. I think he should have caught that ball. I think he was playing shallow. They all were. They didn't want to hit. Yeah, don't want to give up a bloop to end it, but still. No, I don't blame him. Tough catch, but. I I think Bader's a good enough center fielder that no other average center fielder would have ever been able to make it even close to that ball. No, yeah. I think Bader's probably the best center fielder defensively in baseball, or one of, easily. And... Yeah, I mean, that was a tough play, tough catch. But, no, I'm happy with the Cardinals. Can't complain about tied for first uh, in the division. And I think that if the offense can keep it going, they can win a lot of games this season. Find a couple relievers, especially when I think 30% of their games are against the Reds and Pirates left and the Cubs, who are awful. Yeah. So, yeah, it should be interesting. And doesn't it make you happy to see how bad the Cubs are? I mean, the Pirates—they're they're they're very, very bad. <laughs> the Reds are creeping up on them too. Who started <laughs> off horribly? The, oh, that'd be awesome if the Reds—if the Cubs are base—I want to see them back in the basement of the NL Central where they belong. Because careful be honest, what you wish where, for; they might get a top pick. That's true, well, that'll take but I, I still—it's uh, it, worth it. I mean, it is—it's worth it to see the Cubs. Back I agree. At the bottom. Yeah, they're very bad. Aiden, what about yeah, your socks? And- well, today was – yesterday was the most fun I've had watching a baseball game all year, maybe in the past two years. The Sox won in 12, I believe. They Both teams basically ran out of pitchers. Uh, I actually 
fired off texts at 10.42 telling people to book a Josh Harrison walk-off, and then at 11.38 he hit the walk-off. So I was a couple innings early, but I knew. And so the Sox got on a little run at home when they wear these Southside jerseys. I love those jerseys. So they've just started wearing them every day. They've worn them Ty- for the past three days. Tyler Cading, friend of the pod, also raging Cubs fan, absolutely despises those. And I Why? love Tyler, but man, that guy could that's not just be more a bad wrong. Take, yeah. That's a horrible take. That no, so a, yeah, they're that's great. One of, that's one of the coolest takes I've heard yeah. in years. <laughs> those jerseys are awesome. They're very good, but no matter what jerseys the team wears, I think Josh Harrison should always be allowed to wear those jerseys because when he puts those yeah. on, the man just turns into a whole different animal. So he he had two. Uh, he, he home run and a double a couple days ago. Walk off yesterday. I think he was two for four. But so the Sox today, uh, they lost nine to five. They were down eight to one at a certain point. Um, so they today was not great. Lucas Giolito got shelled. He has not been good this year. His ERA might be close to six after today. It, it was not good. He's got a tendency to give up the long ball lately, but. All in all, it's the same old song and dance, and you can complain about injuries all you want. I've I've done my best to you got to address the injuries, obviously, but not linger on them, and that's the reason that they're five hundred. But today, before the fourth inning, they lost two players. They lost Adam Angle, who's he went three for four last night. He already hit, had a hit today. He's a two fifty hitter with superb defense. He's a guy you need on the team. He got hurt, and then today too, Danny Mendick. Got hurt. Who Danny Mendick has since filling in for Tim Anderson when Tim went down, and obviously Tim's back now. He hit 370 and played good defense at shortstop on the season right now. Mendick's hitting 280, uh, reaching base at about a 340 clip, slugging. He's got an OPS of 780, which is pretty decent for a guy who is not supposed to be anywhere close, but he's done a great job filling in. He can play anywhere on the infield. And today he got hurt because Adam Hazley, who is a name I don't want to have to say again, doesn't know how to doesn't know how to call off a ball in the outfield. That guy shouldn't even be on the team to start. But you know, like I said, injuries. So the one name that everyone I don't want to say passes on, but Andrew Vaughn, the guy just flat out hits as it stands right now. Andrew Vaughn is a one WAR player who does not play good defense, so it's basically all hitting. He's hitting 330, 503 slugging, 890 OPS, and a 150 OPS plus. He went like three for, or two for five yesterday, four for four the day before. I think three for five today. The, the guy just flat out hits. He's a professional hitter. He goes all different angles of the field. He puts one over the fence. He's great for the Sox, and they need him to keep going. So, Aiden, what about your um, your starting staff? Like, I've I've heard a couple of stuff about it, but I, I want to get it from the source. What What do you think? Michael Kopech has been great. Dylan Cease has been even better. Dylan Cease Very leads good. the league right now with thirteen point one strikeouts per nine. That's pretty good. It's very good. Kopech has been good. He uh, Kopech gave up a couple home runs against the Astros the other night because his fastball that normally sits 94-ish, it was only at 91. He's got a knee injury that he's pitching through, and it's kind of annoying because he's not getting all the velocity on his pitches. But Kopech's been great. Uh, Lance Lynn came back. His first start, he got shelled. His second start, he pitched well. He pitched out of some jams. So he's only had two starts on the year. Giolito might have a 6 ERA, like I said, after today. He came into today with just under 5 and just... He's struggling. I don't know what it is. At the beginning of the year, he had like a 2-3, and just since then, it has not been great. Grant doesn't like the train ERA horn? either. Yeah, that train doesn't like the ERA. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the starting staff right now. Uh, Johnny Cueto has been an absolute godsend. He, he's go. been coming in. He leads the Sox in – or the Sox starting – I hate that guy. Yeah. Uh, he, he leads him. He leads him in average innings pitch. He comes out and just shoves. He threw a one-hit beauty against the Astros the other night. But it's it's the same thing, like I said. Leary Garcia, Danny Mendick, Adam Engel, Aaron Bummer, Yasmani Grandal, Yoan Moncada, Liam Hendricks, Eloy Jimenez, all on the IL as of right now. And then today, Robert... I mean, you could make a, yeah, you could make a team you could out make of those a pretty guys. pretty good team out of that. <laughs> I mean, that team could win 90 games. Nah, yeah, uh, but it, it just... 
it's every time. And so the earlier earlier in the season, the Sox pitching staff was great, and the offense putting up two runs per game. I saw a stat the other day since the start of June, the Sox offense has been one of the best in baseball, which makes sense. They've been hitting, but now the pitching has fallen off. So it's just you got to get on the same page at a certain time. And I think, obviously, today not a great game. They put up a fight at the end with basically B players because everyone was hurt, and Tim didn't even play today. Giolito got shelled. Two out of three from the Blue Jays is really good. They got the Orioles coming to town and then Twins, Guardians, so a lot of divisional play before the All-Star break. I'm happy where they're at right now. I'm actually really happy. I don't care what happened today. One stat I forgot to say about Andrew Vaughn. Second time through the order, and he, he's been hitting second for us. He hits 475 against the starter or whoever you're throwing there. He, he just flat out hits, and it's amazing to watch. And like I said, one war right now, he plays very average, mediocre defense in the outfield or wherever he's going to play. Actually, probably less than average defense. But right now, I'm happy where they're at. I'm I'm very happy where the Sox are at right now. It's just get everyone healthy and start going foot on the gas you just you can't you can't stop now but the big biggest blow for the Sox they lost Yerman so we're gonna Yerman was sent from one side of this table to the other uh he was DFA'd picked up by the Sacramento River Cats aka the Giants um and also I found out that Billy Hamilton got signed this morning to the to the Marlins so I don't know who plays center field for the Marlins but I would never wish bad things upon anyone but if he needs to take a couple games off Billy will be ready that's a nice little transition into the San Francisco Giants, actually. Yeah, I had to throw Billy in there, too. I, I noticed that today he got picked up. It's uh, Jesus Sanchez playing center field oh, right now him for Miami. Get him out of there. <laughs> um, so before we get into the Giants, uh, we're going to take a quick break right here on KCOU 88.1 FM before bringing you back and wrapping up the show with my Giants and a little more baseball talk. We'll be right back. Yeah. Been through it all, man. Seen all of it. All that shit, man. Nigga just been doing it, you heard? Burr. Welcome back to the Packed House right here on KCOU 88.1 FM. We are wrapping up this week's show right now, but before we do, we're going to get into my San Francisco Giants. We are currently in a series with the Atlanta Braves, guys, and it is so much fun right now. I am having so much fun watching this series. It feels like a playoff atmosphere. Game one went into extras. The Braves pulled that one out. Or no, it went into the bottom of the night, and then uh, Camilo Duvall gave up a single to end the game, walk it off for the Braves. And then last night, it was an offensive explosion from every, from each team. I believe there were five lead changes in that one. And the Giants took a 12-10 to 10 win that game. Camilo Duvall came in again and then surrendered a couple of runs once again. He gave up two in the ninth, but... He has been phenomenal throughout this year, despite struggling in this series. He relies very heavily on his slider right now, but if he can get that two-seam cutter, whatever you want to call it, it's a fastball with arm side run. If he can get that back to half of what it was last year, he is going to be one of the best relievers in baseball he already is one of the better relievers in baseball but I think if he get adds another pitch that's super effective he's really struggling with that pitch right now but if he if he can get that back even half of what it was he's going to be ultra effective um but also in addition to that Jock Peterson in his homecoming back to Atlanta after winning a World Series with them last year absolutely dominating the postseason he has another home run last night, and that guy is absolutely—he is mashing the ball this year. And I don't really think it's sustainable. I don't think he's going to be playing at a borderline MVP caliber level the entire year. But man, I'm—I've been waiting for this drop off to come for a while now, and it's it, it just not coming. And I, and I'm starting to believe that this might be a guy we want to lock up for another couple of years because he's only on that one-year deal. Jack Peterson's really good. Mike, yeah, you... Sorry, go ahead, Grant. 
No, I just can say ever since Jack left Los Angeles, he just he's been a journeyman. Like he's had good years, and it just seems like nobody nobody wants him. I don't get it. Hopefully, the Giants can give him some stability. You know. Yeah. So Jack Peterson lands in San Francisco. Mike Yastrzemski's been really, really good this year. He's got 1.5 war right now. A guy that I really want to highlight on this show is Thyro Estrada, or Tyro Estrada, however you want to pronounce it. He is probably the key to this team right now. He plays short. He plays a couple other infield positions, and he is a perfectly league average hitter. He is a pretty average defender as well. But he goes in the slumps, and he goes. He, he is one of the most inconsistent players that I've ever seen because he is only average in name only. Because one minute he's you know hitting in an RBI single on a you know 105 mile an hour exit velocity, and then the next he's kicking the ball at short and costing his team a run. So Tyro Estrada is really what this team is living by and dying by right now because. We've got a couple of injuries in Estrada. You know, Crawford got hurt last night, and Estrada might be the guy to fill in at short. He hasn't really had a breather. Uh, Wilmer Flores as well, another, you know, he Flores is more of a utility guy, but he has not had an off day in months, it feels like. So Wilmer Flores, another guy that's been playing pretty well and filling in very nicely at pretty much every defensive position in the infield outside of shortstop. So that's the Giants. Um, should we fly around the league a little bit? Uh, wild game in Los Angeles last night with the Angels and the Royals. Yeah. You guys see that? I'm telling you, it yeah, wasn't I the craziest game of the night. But two home runs. What was the final score? RBIs. I believe it was twelve to ten, or that might be the or twelve to eleven. I think twelve to eleven Royals. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So Bobby Witt Jr. had two. Uh, had went four for five with two home runs, I believe. He's been really, really good for the Royals this year. He's been one of the few bright spots good. for them. Go ahead, Grant. No, I was just gonna say that he's good. Yeah, like he is. He gnashes baseballs. He's very good. Yeah, and then Shohei Otani with the game tying home run in the bottom of the ninth that ended up not mattering. He hit a he hit a pair of three run home runs last night. And then after doing that, he takes the ball tonight. He's going He's going to pitch tonight. So he's hurting the Royals in two ways this series. Is there anything you oh, guys want to do? that game would have gone longer and they like give Shohei an inning as he's absolutely mashed that day. If he goes for a that'd save, that'd be hilarious. Yes. Oh, that'd be awesome. When the Sox oh, I mean, just wait for the playoffs. Wait till yeah. he gets into the playoffs. Yeah. They might do something like that. Yeah, and there's like a 20 inning game or something. Yeah. Yeah. So Grant, I heard you say um, the name. What What was the best thing you saw this week? Doesn't just have to be baseball. I would just say just baseball. O'Neill Cruz throwing it 100 and what was it? 94. 15 miles per hour. Or 94. 94. I, did I just say 115? Yes, you did. I'm thinking of I don't think that's home possible. Run. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's not. I'm sorry. Um. Shohei hit the ball 150 miles per hour. I'm thinking of O'Neill Cruz threw a 94 across the diamond, which is just insanely fast. Yeah, and that guy, he's faster than Tyreek Hill. He hits balls 450 feet, and he can throw 94 miles per hour. He's going to be so fun to watch over the coming years. He's going to be, if he stays in Pittsburgh for a while, I think he'll be the Andrew McCutcheon of the Pirates. I think he can compare to Andrew McCutcheon in that city. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's how I feel. So best thing I saw this week, I actually have three. I I just kind of got into a a, a a rhythm here. So I have two funny ones and then one really cool one. So um, Grayson Murray uh, in the U.S. Open last week. He missed a putt and threw his putter about 150 yards into long grass, and then on the next hole snapped a club. So I, I felt for the guy there. I've been there. Uh, so that's one. Uh, two, right before – so last night, uh, and it's getting some national attention, the umpiring in the White Sox-Blue Jays game was horrible. They're calling it the worst umpired game all year, definitely for sure. I don't even know for how long, but it was bad for both sides. They showed a graphic of what was called strikes and whatnot for both teams. 
it, it was hard to watch. So before the game today, the coach who came out to deliver the lineup card for the Blue Jays yeah, decided to oh. give it to the umpire and get kicked out. So that was pretty cool. And then my main one the here. coach. Yeah, it was one of them. Someone got kicked out yesterday too. But last night in the Royals-Angels game. Uh-oh. Early in the game. Uh-oh. Well, did I, I steal think you yours? stole mine. I definitely stole yours. Oh, <laughs> I just saw this too. Go ahead, Aiden. All right. Uh, so, Joint best thing we saw. Yeah, so I think, yeah, we can all agree on this one. So early in the game, warm-up ball goes to uh, probably a 20-year-old guy, maybe a little bit older, close to our age, college kid, and he gives it to a little kid two rows in front of him, which is what you do. That's that's just what you do. He it's the right thing to do. about catching that ball. So, he, he was yeah, he was, he was hyped up. He catches the ball, then he gives it to a kid a couple rows back. Later in the game, the little kid's dad catches a home run, gives it to his son, who's maybe 10, maybe 12, not, you know, not out of grade school yet. The, a kid, kid. the kid immediately looks up and gives it back to the college age, if not older, guy that gave him the first ball. So that's just, that's amazing. That's that's why, you know, it's hard not to be romantic about baseball. That The, the odds that a ball, two balls wind up within two rows of each other to the same two people, the two parties that exchanged, it's just awesome. Yeah. And one more thing is like, to, well, it made that even better. If the college kid was like, no, like I'm not taking the ball. Like, yeah. The ball you just caught. And uh-huh. he like, it, the kid insisted. That was, that was it, awesome. it was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. You stole mine, Aiden. Come I'm on sorry. Now. I, I didn't Come know. Come on now. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> um, okay. I have a new best thing I All saw. Right. Uh, Kyle Farnsworth. Yes. Oh my I did see this. God. <laughs> That is insane. It's nuts. So you need to see the picture because we're on radio. He is a bodybuilder. Oh, I, yes. It's nuts. Yeah. He was Just like a nerd. Unbelievable. He looked like a nerd while playing for the New York Mets. He, he looked like a nerd throughout his entire baseball career. And now he has gotten into bodybuilding and he looks unrecognizable. It is absolutely incredible. Search it. Search up Kyle Farnsworth, bodybuilder. It is scary it is terrifying he is absolutely huge bodybuilders just scare me i don't know why i agree with you <laughs> all right any closing thoughts guys i got nothing enjoy the nhl playoffs enjoy some good baseball you know Let's have a good week of sports let's have a really good week of sports it's it. it's gonna be a lot of fun baseball hockey Basketball NBA draft is coming up. Be prepared for that. Get get in. Get your prospects. Know your prospects. I really like Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey's go looking good. Jaden Ivey's looking guy. good. All right. So. Go yeah, it's going to be fun. Kings have the number four overall pick. Jaden Ivey. It's my hometown team, but, you know, I'm a Warrior fan. So, anyway. For Grant Salzman, Aiden O'Connor, my name is Mickey Doolittle. This has been the Packed House. We will be back next week. Same time, same place, right here on KCOU 88.1 FM. Enjoy the sports.